Hi, this is Ken Clark. I'm the minister of the Old First Church in Bennington, Vermont. This service is part of a series which allows us to worship remotely during this time of shutdown in our society. The services will be posted weekly on our website here and also as a podcast entitled A Walk to Cleo Hall, which can be found on the podcast app Spotify. This service took place on April 26, 2020. The organist is Jean Marie Callahan, and the preacher is Ken Clark.
Good morning. Join me in the opening words. Let us be joyful in the word of God. Let us walk in the way of peace. Let us give ourselves to joy this day. May the love of God tune our hearts and minds. Our first hymn is The God of Abraham Praise. Join me, if you will, in saying together the opening prayer, which is found in our order of service. Creator of the universe, you made the world in beauty and restore all things in glory through the work of Christ. We pray that wherever this creation is disfigured by poverty, sickness, selfishness, war, or greed, the new creation in Jesus Christ may appear in justice, love, and peace, to the glory of your name. In our daily path, guide us and make us anew. Forgive us when we have not had that justice, love, and peace within us or toward our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. If we confess our faults, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen.
The first lesson for this third Sunday in Easter is from the book of Acts in the third chapter, verses 1 through 10. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask them for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for their alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here ends the first lesson. Our hymn is, O Thou My Soul, Return in Peace. The second lesson this morning is taken from the first letter of Peter in the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. Now, as an elder myself, 
and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend to the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that God may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on God, because God cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Here ends the second lesson. Thanks for listening this day, third Sunday in Easter. I have a few housekeeping details first to begin with. One of them is a bit of uh, personal insight into how we do these things. I preached last week, the second Sunday in Easter, after Easter, on uh, the story of Thomas, Doubting Thomas. And because these sermons are prepared and delivered midweek and then we air, I had time to think over that sermon. And there's always a little bit of gap here where once you preach something, you have the ability, the way we are doing this, to call it back. I'm glad I didn't call it back. I had good feedback from so many people about the sermon and I think it turned out well. I'm glad for that. One is always self-critical so in the downtime between the time this sermon was prepared, delivered on tape, and aired, I kept thinking, what should I do? Maybe I should just erase it and do something else. The reason I was impelled to do that was because Thomas is an intriguing character. You can go back and listen to that sermon from last week. That's one of the advantages that we have now. But in this case, I just wanted to add another thought, and I wanted to share that thought with you. It's not a full sermon but it's probably something I wanted to add. I spoke last week about Thomas almost being a rationalist, a scientific person who wanted evidence and proof, but there was something else I think I missed when I delivered the sermon and it came to me in the days that followed. Perhaps it even came to me uh, when my dog, uh, as he often does when I'm sitting at the table, comes up next to me in the chair, leans into the chair and my side into my leg and just stays there for as long as possible. You may have a cat or dog or some other animal, perhaps a parakeet, who does the same to you during the day. I don't think goldfish can do this. Usually when a goldfish is leading on its side, it's not a good sign. 
Anyway, to get back to my story, as my dog was leaning against me and I could feel his fur and uh, the pressure of his body, I understood something more about what Thomas wanted in wanting to see Jesus. Not just proof for his belief, but the actual physical companionship of someone else being there with him. If all the other disciples had this opportunity to be with Christ in person, Thomas wanted that too. And it occurred to me that we as humans are social creatures and we're learning that so much in these days, how much the presence of another matters to us. Even those of us who are semi-hermits, we like to go out and although people don't lean against us in public, the fact that other people are around us and that we have interactions is a comforting thing. It's a way of us underscoring our nature as social beings. And so in this sense, Thomas is teaching us that we are collaborative, we are cooperative, and we are companionable. And this is the essence of what it is to be human, not to be alone, but to be in society, and not simply to be in society for our own gain, but to be in society because it's a good thing. I think of the marriage rights and the marriage services that create families and Adam and Eve and the words that it is a good thing to be together. Man, the human one, was not made to be alone. Those words are so true to us these days, and that was the sermon that was creeping up on me after I delivered last week's sermon, and I didn't want to let it go. So I'm just going to share that sense with you right now. And it does feed into our current situation with our readings this week. If you follow the lectionary, you will first understand that these are not the lectionary readings. I moved away from those readings for various, well, for two reasons principally. One of the readings is a little bit hard on the Jews, and that's an understatement. Uh, it comes out of a particular time in the Christian experience in Jerusalem. And I just didn't want to go there this week, uh, speaking at this time. I didn't want to get into that particular text. And the other text was the text of the road to Emmaus, the Ethiopian eunuch. I've been here at this church for 10 years, and the lectionary repeats every three. So I saw these two readings this week, and I thought, I've done this before, and I've done pretty well on these topics. And I could do well on them, I suppose, again, but I'm going to leave them alone this week. Perhaps some in the church have already heard me on this, and maybe we need to listen to something else. So I consulted some alternate lections and present for our scripture readings today the selection from the Book of Acts, and also, which is a continuation of the Lucan accounts, and also the letter from 1 Peter in the fifth chapter. I want to begin by looking at the book of Acts to place it in context. After the events, the curing of this lame man that are described in the book of Acts, with Peter and John going to him and encountering him in Jerusalem at the temple. After that, there's a famous speech in the book of Acts, and Peter and John actually, after this, are imprisoned. So although things look like they're going well at this point, this wonderful thing that happens, this healing of the, of the lame man, is followed by some tremendously devastating consequences for Peter and John, which only goes to show you in life sometimes things are going really well, 
and you never know what's around the corner. You were surprised, perhaps, by what happens. In 1 Peter, the writer of the epistle of the letter is talking to the churches in Asia Minor, and I found it particularly interesting in wanting to include that here because of the words and how they spoke to us in this day and age. The wonderful thing about Scripture, it has a historical reality, it has a personal reality, and it has a social reality. And one reason I chose this reading from first letter of Peter was because although it spoke to historic times and it may speak to us personally, it also speaks to our day and age as well. Listen to those words again. Keep alert. Your adversary prowls around. Be steadfast in your faith for all in the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. I was struck by that line. After you have suffered for a little while, God in Christ will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Words of perseverance, words of courage to be of good heart, words that will get us through tough times. And so particularly that is why I chose uh, this particular section in the letter of Peter. Also important in that letter is that sense of humility. He talks about elders and those who are younger But then after addressing the younger who must accept the authority of the elders, he says, all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Knowing your place in the sense of being humble, they follow, Peter follows by saying, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. And following the sense of having to endure hardship are those wonderful words of comfort and promise of a day to come. In the book of Acts, the situation is a little bit different. We have the story of the healing of a lame man. He is wanting to collect money from those who go into the temple to sustain himself, to make it through the day so that he can wake up and do the same thing tomorrow. In this instance, Peter and John, the disciples, after the death of Christ and resurrection, are going back to the temple. After all, they were still good Jews and they would see others who thought like them who had encountered Christ also worshiping in that area. They go to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. They encounter this lame man by the gate, the beautiful gate. He's chosen a good place to be so that when the people enter the temple in a prayerful mode, they will see someone in need and try to support that person. They will try to be kind. They will try to help that person through the day. Peter has curious words to the lame man. He says when he encounters him directly, and here the scripture tells us they are looking at one another intently. Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. The point here in this scripture is that Peter does not sustain the man. Peter does not continue things as they are Peter changes this person. Peter takes him from somebody 
who has to beg every day and perhaps has little confidence to someone who is full of joy and expectation in life, whose life is renewed. The actual context of a lame person is not, in my mind, the point of this scripture. The actual context is the spiritual change that Peter's presence and the words in the name of Jesus Christ stand up and walk have upon this person. You can already be walking and hear these words and suddenly live your life anew. You can be perfectly well on the outside and hear these words and suddenly realize that they are meant for you. God can change lives in this way. The spiritual dimension of our life can be decayed and idle. And suddenly, perhaps at the words of someone else, we realize we can change who we are. We can change what we're doing. We can get up and walk, spiritually speaking. My best illustration of that is the physicist from England, Stephen Hawking. I just read in the papers this past week that his family, after his death in 2018, his family just this week, seeing the need for ventilators, donated the ventilator that Stephen Hawking used to the National Health Service in England. Hawking had used a ventilator. Perhaps you were aware, of course, that he was in a wheelchair for so much of his life, but he used a ventilator constantly for the last five years of his life. If you ever saw a picture, perhaps you have it in your mind, of Stephen Hawking, he wears kind of a cravat, a, a, a broad kerchief around his neck, and that was designed so that you would not see the tubes that allowed him to breathe and exist. It was his ventilator that the family perhaps was holding on to as a way of explaining his life. And I'm using him this morning as an illustration of somebody who physically was not well, but in terms of his spiritual depth in life, was alive and up and walking. And I know not praising God, Stephen Hawking may not have been on that side of the equation, but he was praising life as it is. I think it wonderful that his family was able to give up this part of him, this reminder of the challenges that he overcame to be the person he was, to allow him to live fully, that they gave this up for the greater good, a sense even in them, a sense of humility about the whole scheme of things. And so it is in this scripture from Acts that God asks us not to simply sustain ourselves day to day, but to change ourselves, to meet new circumstances. And my feeling as we end this week is that we eventually will be getting back to work. We'll eventually be asking ourselves to stand up and walk. We'll have to reach out hands to others, not perhaps literally, but in a sense of cooperation and companionship and goodwill. We will come through this and live fully as God intends. That day may not come tomorrow, but that day surely will come at a time soon. Amen. Our next hymn is Jesus, Our Divine Companion. Before we begin this hymn, I just want to uh, 
tell you a little bit about why I chose it. I perhaps was being a little bit impish, but it is a hymn that was written at the turn of the last century by um, Henry Van Dyke, who actually had a Williams College connection. But I chose it because it's talking about work and how important work is in the Christian life. Max Weber, in the Protestant ethic and the spirit of capitalism, made a similar point about how work fulfills a person. And here in Van Dyke's hymn, you have that sense that work is something that we are called for. It is a calling for the Christian, not just being ministers and being religious people, but actually working in life is a kind of calling, and it is dignified and a good thing. So we remember these days people who are currently working for us, serving in so many different ways. We remember people who are not working who want to work at this point. And we finally remember those who are now unemployed and don't know about what they will be doing in the days ahead. This is where I go back to my sermon words in terms of how we are fulfilled, how we are made healthy, how we are made whole. One of the ways that we are fulfilled is not just in our spiritual life, but in the work we do together as communities and people. And so our health is made, our sense of being is fulfilled in the work and the faith that we carry forward. And so our hymn, Jesus, Our Divine Companion. Welcome to the Old First Church here in Bennington, Vermont. Thanks for joining us again in this series of services that we are creating while the church is not meeting on Sunday morning physically in the meeting house, but rather meeting over the airwaves. So I'm happy that you're here today. I don't have a lot of announcements for you. I do want to thank Nancy Andrews and Jean Marie Callahan who help 
in making this possible, especially Jean Marie, uh, who plays the music and, and sings and helps us sing also from the materials we have at home. I should let you know, if you're wondering, as of earlier this week, assuming today is the 26th of April, that there are still big patches of snow up in Woodford. I'm not sure I want to encourage you to go up and see them. Perhaps everyone should stick close to home. I know some of you are, and also I know some of you aren't. So try to behave yourselves. That's my word. Easy for me to say. I'm the one who travels, so I can take some of my own medicine, I'm sure. It's hard to be in one place, and it will be harder when the brightness of spring comes, and it is coming. So my thoughts are with all of you. I wish you a good end to April and a great beginning to May. May Day is coming up uh, towards the end of this coming week, and let us think about bright and good things to come. Those are the announcements I have. As I indicated, the church is empty again this week. I want to thank everyone, members of the church, who have been pretty steadfast in their support and continued pledging and, and keeping the financial wherewithal of the church hale and hearty. Uh, if you are interested in a contribution for part of the offering, uh, the mail address is One Monument Circle, Old Bennington, Vermont, 05201. The morning offering for the work of the church will now be received. give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Let us pray. Dear God, be with us this day. Guide us and keep us through times of uncertainty. We give you thanks for our sustenance, for our being, for our existence. We give you thanks for this earth and its brightness and our friends our community, and our church. Teach us, O oh God, that it is more than just to sustain. It is to thrive. 
it is to blossom and flourish, to realize ourselves as children of your promise, and so bring us into that spiritual fullness, bring us into that fullness of our humanity, that we may realize the peace and love and compassion at the heart of all life. Sometimes we are far from these things. Sometimes we are depressed or angry. Sometimes we are surprised by difficult things. Teach us to look beyond these times and these things. Teach us to see that horizon that is bright and inviting. Teach us to envision that destination where our home truly is. And though we have the comfort of home in these days, teach us that inward sense of peace and acceptance that comes from your presence in our life. We pray, dear God, for those who are ill, for those who are struggling with disease, for those who are seeking health, for those who are bowed down and weak. May your strength come to them. May your promise be heard. May we know your light will sustain and shine through any darkness and through any difficulty. Our thoughts, O oh God, are with all these people in so many places and here at home and in our church who need your presence, your health, and your healing, your wholeness. Be with those who lead us, that they may be wise and humble. Be with those who are without work or without hope. Be with those this day who work unceasingly to care for others, to supply others' needs, to simply be a friend and help in a difficult time. Be with us, O oh God, as a beacon of hope, as a promise of happiness, as a splash of color outside our window, as the song of a bird, as a star in the night sky, as the wind in a distant pine. Tell us that we are not alone and that all will be well and good in your time and by your grace. Now in silence we make our prayer to thee. Amen. And as Jesus taught us, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn this day is, O Lord of every shining constellation. Now may God bless us and keep us. May God's face shine upon us and give us peace this day and evermore. Amen.
Thanks for listening. No coffee hour after service today, but in the week ahead, treat those you meet with kindness and respect. Check here again next week for another service. Permission to podcast and stream the service music is granted under license number 300969 from CCLI with all other creative rights reserved.